Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, where we are interviewing the best minds in functional medicine. And of course, today is no exception. I'm thrilled to be talking with the brilliant Dr. Erica Engel. I'm gonna give you her background and we're gonna jump right in. She is CEO and co-founder of Excella, the internal fitness company. She received her PhD in biochemistry in 2012 from Boston University School of Medicine and she holds a BS in chemistry from MIT. Erica is also the founder and executive director of Science from Scientists, an award-winning national nonprofit that sends charismatic scientists into the classroom to improve the attitudes and aptitudes of three to eighth grade students in science, technology, engineering, and math, the STEM for you. <laughs> In 2018, she was awarded the Young Alumni Award from Boston University. In 2017, she received the Distinguished Alumni Award from Boston University School of Medicine. Uh, and in 2014, the Boston Business Journal selected Erica as one of the top 40 under 40. In 2013, the Boston Chamber of Commerce selected her as one of the 10 outstanding young leaders in Boston. Erica, welcome to New Frontiers. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm. It's been nice getting to know you, like know, getting to know you as a human, um, but just also getting to know what your lab is all about. And it's it's kind of cool that you're, you know, in my neck of the woods here in the Northeast. Um, you're taking metabolome, like your your lab does metabolomics, and you and I have dialogued a little bit about, you know, me coming from functional medicine and having a background in what I call almost like the pre-metabolomics era or the pre-omics era, where we were and still are really looking at organic acids and using some of the tools that you have taken, uh, along with your co-founder Wayne Matson. You've refined. You're putting some some more solid science behind them, and you're kind of you're making metabolomics available to us. So that's gonna be the heart of our conversation. And I wanna know how, you know, how Excella started, like how you you got on this journey. Absolutely. So, you know, that the company at this point is uh, about 11 years old. So um, formerly incorporated in, in late 2012, early 2013, but the science itself that underpins what we do dates back significantly further. So my co-founder, Wayne Matson, he's in his early 80s right now. And, you know, this has been his career, his life. He's been doing this. Um, you know, he can tell stories back in the days when he was working with, with Jeff Bland. Um, and he would joke that back in those days, they would measure lots of these small molecule metabolites in, you know, whether it's blood or urine or any, and you couldn't get funding from the NIH by saying we're measuring lots of stuff. So they ended up calling it metabolomics. So I think, you know, he is considered to be one of the pioneers, the fathers um, in this field of, of metabolomics. So yes, yeah, so we're metabolomicists by training throughout the course of his, you know, now probably 50 years uh, in the industry, we've looked at many, many different um, you know, health and wellness states. So everything from the neurodegenerative diseases, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, Huntington's, you know, pick, pick one, um, various cancers, GI issues, autoimmune conditions, concussions in athletes. I mean, it's, it's, it spans the gamut. And typically what happens is we do what we call shotgun metabolomics. So we look at all of the different small molecules that are present in a, in a sample. And we try to compare you know, what is different in a person who either has that condition uh, to a normal control, or if you're at risk for that disease, you know, what does that look like against a normal control? And 
what you find um, in using the platform that, that we use, which is electrochemistry, which is actually, uh, was, it was invented by Wayne at his previous company, which he then you know, sold. Now Thermo Fisher Scientific actually owns the tech. But um, using that platform, we were able to look at thousands of different molecules and say, all right, what is different biochemically in a person who is either at risk or has this particular condition? And then, you know, drug companies do this all the time to try to figure out, well, what am I targeting in order to try to, you know, help solve this? So 50 years of getting all this data, yeah. I met Wayne serendipitously at, you know, at, at sort of in between my undergrad and grad career life. And what was really compelling was that, you know, both of us are interested in you know, helping people, right? People who are uncomfortable, haven't been able to find the root cause of their various symptoms and pain points. And, and um, you know, how do we improve quality of life by giving people more information that is actionable? So we said, all right, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to start a business that takes a small volume of blood and that looks at certain molecules based on Wayne's studies that have been shown sort of repeatedly time and time again to be risk factors, disease progression markers, overall markers of general health and wellness. And when we stood back and said, all right, well, what kind of company are we going to become? These markers of which 11 are, are, are those that we're currently measuring were related to the gut microbiome. They were all, you know, either um, generated specifically by certain bacteria in the gut, regulated by the gut, or were a, a phenomenon based on you know, how much was your gut able to digest, absorb, and then ultimately spit out right into the circulatory system? So, so let, I'm going to just ask you, like, and I want to just cut right back in. I so so you didn't intentionally set out to be to be focused on the gut, but those analytes that were just most relevant in in Wayne and your research turned out to be gut associated, either directly or a little bit less directly. Correct. And I, I think that's actually a very important part of the story because I think people sometimes, you know, in, well, how did you decide this? Well, there's money here or there's funding there or whatever. And people kind of develop their business model around a different set of criteria. For us, it really was about which metabolites are the most significant in, you know, across 50 years of research. And then, gee, how, how cool, where do they come from? They are related to the gut microbiome. So, you know, we are a gut microbiome company because the science pointed to that. That's so fascinating to me. Um, I guess we should just talk about those, you know, talk about your, the, the, the 11 analytes that you're measuring and maybe, you know, a little, um, a little bit of info, information around them and then how, you know, how you're, you, you're looking at them as a whole. And then folks will jump into, um, you know, my own analysis, which was super fun and interesting. And by the way, you guys on our show notes page, we'll link to the science, to the papers that Erica thinks um, is most relevant for us to check out and their website and so forth. So let's talk about these analytes, these amazing 11. <laughs> sure. So, so they sort of high level, they are in the tryptophan, tyrosine, and purine pathways. Um, tryptophan is sort of a very central one because it's kind of, well, it's at the center of everything uh, in many ways. So um, we look at tryptophan, a variety of different indoles. So indole 3-propionic acid, indole lactic acid, indole acetic acid. The indoles are, are very important to um, looking at sort of the health and diversity of the gut microbiome. So for example, IPA is very important to um, intestinal permeability. So if you have low levels of IPA, you might have 
you know, greater issues with, you know, leaky gut or intestinal permeability, whatever. Um, indolactic acid is actually a precursor. Let me just, re let me just restate that. So IPA, that's indole propionic acid, low levels are a problem. This is a metabolite from tryptophan, bacterial action on tryptophan converts it to IP, all of these converts it. Okay. Sure. And I just, and before you jump into um, the next indole, Tryptophan is at the center, you said. You said that provocatively and then jumped in, like we all knew. I mean, and that's because why? Why? Just because it's such a fundamental amino acid in so many pathways and mechanisms and so forth, like proteins. Yes. yes. So, I mean, I, first of all, it comes from your diet, which is very important. You have to get it from your diet. And the microorganisms in the gut will take in tryptophan and convert it to there are many different pathways. So if you like to geek out, you can go on the keg pathway site and type in tryptophan and you'll see tryptophan and a thousand other things sort of coming off of it. So it's regulated in different ways, depending on what the body needs or doesn't need, right? Pathways go in different directions, but it is very central to, you know, everything from the, the brain gut connection and serotonin, which is which is derived from, you know, from, from tryptophan, of which melatonin is then derived. So your sleep, your emotional well-being, your emotional health yeah. to gut permeability with the indoles to, um, inflammation, you know, markers and excretion of those inflammation markers. And so it's tryptophan is a very, very key and central marker to all of these different things. So I always kind of start there. Um, yeah. with yeah, I get it. And not just gut, but well, as you said, brain, like pro-inflammatory and protective and anti-inflammatory. Okay. Oh, okay. Keep going. Right. And, and tryptophan is converted to indole. Indole, if it goes down the wrong path, is actually inflammatory, which is our right. conversation earlier about indican and what, what that means if the levels are too high or too low. So again, it's very interesting that how it's it's just, it sits in the middle there of a very yeah. important role. So you've got tryptophan, you've got the indoles, the indoles, so indole, propionic acid, IPA, indolactic acid, ILA, and IAA, indole acetic acid. So IPA, like we, we mentioned, is a gut permeability marker. Um, it's also one of the most powerful antioxidants in the body. So, um, and, and it is generated by bacteria, very specific species, Clostridium sporogenes, um, sadly, when the body is under stress or when there's a, a dysbiosis, often that's the species that tends to be, you know, influenced right up front. So um, people who live stressful lives, who have, you know, poor diets, all these different things, their clostridium sporogenes tend to, to, to take a hit on that, which is bad because their IPA levels tend to be low. IPA low means intestinal permeability, means all the lousy things that come all with. the downstream with yeah with ip right. with, with right yeah that's you know allergies and sensitivities and sure. um autoimmunity yeah the whole gamut like whole gamut. what isn't yeah right so ila endolactic acid is actually a precursor to endopropionic acid you find it in foods like um you know fermented foods so kimchi pickles etc it actually is the fuel that fuels the generation of IPA. So the bacteria will take in ILA um, and convert it to IPA. So it's 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 the precursors is important um, to have enough of that you know in the system in order to keep the keep everything you know going as it should. IAA indole. Let me let me ask you a question. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want. To... 
yeah, I want to apologize. I know this is super interesting. So, so, so it's a marker of a need for fermented foods and then bacteria act, act on it and convert it to the really important IPA. But is it, are, can bacteria in our gut actually take tryptophan itself and convert it to um, yeah. indolectic? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, this is where the kinetics, the it gets really tricky, right? So like if you were trying to create a supplement, right, for IPA, and we've, we've toyed with this, which is kind of like, you know, it's a weird thought. What would you give to the body, right? Would you just give IPA? Probably not because that would cross compete with your bacteria's creation of it. You'd have to give them some of the precursors instead. So you would give them you'd give them ILA predominantly, but if you give them too much ILA, then again, the body will stop generating its own IPA. So like, you know, we've, it's, unfortunately, none of this is sort of like do X, Y happens. There are all these different, you know, mechanisms and ways that things fuel, you know, fuel the system. Um, but ILA is a direct, it is, they take ILA and they convert it to IPA. So right. Otherwise you have to generate ILA, which is harder, right, than, than doing it the other way by okay. eating the food directly. Okay. 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 So, um, so then, so to get, so you can take together and you can just infer whole foods diet, you know, complement of fermented adequate tryptophan, et cetera, et cetera. So you just, and I know you're, you're very diet forward and this, this, the complex interactions would be a piece of that. Very much so. We try to do everything in the, we call it the food first approach, but um, right. So those two are, are connected and they tell a story. So if one is too high and one is too low, then, you know, maybe you're eating, getting enough in your diet, but you don't have the right bacteria to convert the ILA into the IPA. So then, you know, you have a dysbiosis, you have to help the the Clostridium sporogenes to sort of come back, or if you don't have enough ILA, but you have, you know, or maybe both are low, maybe you don't have enough of the precursor. So you can help that process with the right types of foods and maybe that'll kickstart it. So, you know, again, together, they tell a little bit of a story as to, you know, where you should begin with a, with a client. Um, IAA is kind of a cousin. It's not directly in the same line, but it's often secreted by more invasive species in the gut. And so again, if you have really high and elevated levels of IAA, there's a question of, you know, yes, you probably have a gut dysbiosis and we need to do something here to, you know, help to, um, you know, restore the right uh, types of, of, of bacteria in the gut. So that's what that one sort of tells us. All right, let's, let's keep going. That's, I mean, it's, again, it's really, it's interesting. I'm trying to by the way, folks, you can link to the website. In fact, you may want to do that while we're talking and pull up the um, kind of the cheat sheet of all of these compounds. And then there's a, a nice drop down discussion of each of them in really plain language. Uh, and so you can get a sense of it. Okay, keep going. So then we have serotonin. I think every, this is like one of the ones that everybody has has heard about. Um, 90% of, sort of peripheral serotonin is secreted by cells in the gut, right? So again, typically people think serotonin brain health, um, it must be the brain, but in, in reality, um, serotonin, a lot of it is actually produced in the gut. Um, it's responsible for intestinal motility, again, things that people don't know. So if you have low levels of serotonin, you might be chronically constipated, 
um, we see that, you know, a lot in, in folks, there's of course the connection with the brain and the gut and low levels of serotonin leading to anxiety, depression, um, you know, all of these sort of mental health related, um, symptoms, but serotonin is really interesting. It plays all kinds of roles in the body. And I think that the, the, um, the motility issue is actually very, very important. Most people do not, uh, you know, understand that, that, that is one of its predominant functions. And there's a sweet spot for serotonin and that's what you want to achieve. Right. If it's too little, you have the sort of mental health repercussions, constipation. If you have too much, you have a different feeling, not very good either. Um, so, and both emotionally, but also, you know, there's, there's this other sensation plus, you know, other issues with your gut. A rapid transit, I would imagine. Rapid transit is right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Keep going. Um, Tyrosine is another amino acid. It is, you know, you do get it from your diet. Your body also can make it. So it's not only dietary. Um, Body can convert it from other amino acids. Uh, But very important because it's sort of the beginning of many of the neurotransmitters, um, dopamine, adrenaline, epinephrine. These all come from tyrosine. So again, if you, we often see people who have low levels of tyrosine, just having sort of like a sluggish, you know, I'm tired all the time. I don't have energy. I don't have any kind of, you know, the initiative oriented behavior, we call it. People are just kind of just feeling blah. Uh, So important, but, but does, you know, again, comes from diet as well as, um, you know, being able to be synthesized from, from other things. So, so your body does try, but uh, not like tryptophan, which has to, you know, you have to, you have to consume it. Um, and then we have, so we have the purines. So you've got xanthine, three methyl xanthine uh, and uric acid and all very, very, you know, interesting because if they're too high, there's a problem. If there's too low, there's a problem. There's a, there is a sweet spot, right. For all of these um, but they're inflammatory markers, right? So p- folks have heard of uric acid typically because of gout, right? And if your levels are too high, there's an inflammatory response. Um, you know, so you want to try to keep it obviously in, in within range. Um, xanthine is actually very, very interesting in that it is what we have seen is it's it's an inflammatory marker. So people under physical, emotional stress, you, you typically see this elevated. Why? Because in the conversion process where ADP is actually converted to ATP, if your body is doing that and it's it's almost happening too quickly for you to be able to keep up with it, the, the fallout product is xanthine. So as levels of xanthine accumulate, right, your levels are really, really high. It means that you're spinning your wheels um, too much. So we see this a lot in um, performance athletes that are like runners, cyclers, triathletes, um, swimmers, you know, people doing endurance sports. Um, we see this in people with high stress jobs who are just constantly thinking. And I think it's, it's not even your body thinks you're running that marathon, even though you may not be, which I, I always thought was so fascinating. Um, 3MX is in that pathway. It is also a caffeine metabolite. So we can, 3MX is 3-methylxanthine. We we can ask that question because sometimes people will say, well, you know, is it because I consume caffeine that I'm having these sensations and feelings? And we can kind of get a sense 
about that based on the levels of 3MX. So if 3MX is fine, typically we say, nope, I don't think it's, unfortunately you don't feel this way because of your caffeine. Um, sometimes it is, sometimes it is elevated and, you know, uh, but again, everybody has a different tolerance for that. So it's a useful molecule to have in order to be able to rule out what could be contributing to some of these, you know, sensations that, that people have. Um, the IDS or total endoxyl sulfate, um, also known as indican, as, as I, as we've chatted before about it, um, is, is very interesting. So it's, Tryptophan. So it, it's tryptophan is converted into indole. Indole is then converted into it's sulfonated before it's excreted. So the liver does that and it's and it's excreted. Um, we do consider it at high levels to be a kidney and liver damage marker. So again, high stress. Um, we see this a lot in our bodybuilders, actually, um, for whatever reason, probably because they're taking in a lot of protein. So often uh -huh. it's an indicator that you're there's too much protein in the diet. Um, so if you're, you know, a lot of shakes that you're, you're taking in just too much, too much protein, um, total endoxyl sulfate will be elevated. Also, if you're not drinking enough water and you're not properly hydrated, because typically if you're drinking enough water, you're, you're flushing it out. So, um, and it is, it is, there are studies that are talking about it as a sort of inflammatory marker. So, you know, people who have high levels of IDS are looked at for different types of coronary inflammation, um, you know, obviously gut inflammation, joint inflammation. So there's, there is a connection with that. I just, I want to just underscore that. I, I mean, I think it's cool that you're taking what was an old school analyte that while we were looking, we've been looking at it forever in organic acids, but even before, you know, labs were measuring it, it was, you know, I think old school, like nature cure doctors could do some basic um, colometric you know, assay in their offices and see if, if, if Indican was around, I, which, so I think it's neat to have it really so, so, so validated. And I was, I was on PubChem today reading about it and it is, you know, it, it's associated, it increases reactive oxygen species. It's associated with like really spending glutathione are, you know, incredibly essential endogenous antioxidant, like mother antioxidant. So you know, to your point, I, I think it's a very valuable marker. And then you and I were talking about earlier offline about the newer research looking at, you know, gut brain. So indican being associated with Parkinson disease, I think primarily Parkinson mm -hmm. disease, but maybe other neurodegenerative conditions as well. But it's just, it's this marker that's just, you know, dem demonstrating uh, an association in a broad variety of, you know, really clinically relevant problems, even osteoporosis. So it's associated with, in, you know, it's suppressing osteoblast activity. I thought that was super fascinating. I found um, it, it's funny that you say that because I, I actually made a list for myself of all the different studies and things pertaining to it because I knew we had talked about it and it was, it was fascinating, but it's, I mean, literally it's like coronary artery disease, calcification, you know, modification of the, you know, the act, it, high levels of it circle back and, and modify the microbiome in a negative way. So there's, there's like a connection to the gut, to bone health, to inflammation, yeah. to heart health, to like, I mean, it was across the board. So I guess my question would be, and I don't know that, you know, the answer, but just sort of um, rhetorically, you know, wondering where, where, you know, with excess protein indica uh, uh, intake and sort of an increased, you know, gastrointestinal production of this compound, will it 
is, is it a problem? I mean, do we want to drop our protein down to keep this one in line or uh, maybe toggle our protein or just pay attention to see if we have the microbiome to produce this? Because I know there's an argument for, you know, ingesting high protein and, and, and uh, it's, you know, it's essential for muscle mass. It's essential for longevity, et cetera, but there's that balance. This is going to sound so cliched, but this is why everything is a balance, yeah. right? Because if you don't get enough then you don't build the building blocks and you don't have the pieces that you need. If you take too much, then the body doesn't know what to do with it and, you know, converts it in weird ways and has to excrete it. And it puts pressure on the organs that do that. Yeah. So, you know, again, we get asked you know, who should take this test. I mean, at the end of the day, these are things that everybody should do because yeah. Yeah. it's, it's, you know, you, you can select right groups who would benefit for specific reasons and causes, but in many ways, molecules like this, I think are, they, sh they should be on a panel that people just run, right? To say, okay, where are we at with our dietary? An annual, yeah, an yeah, annual evaluation. Yeah, or, or, okay. or, you know, semi-annual. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when we were looking at mine, I, there was evidence, you know, it was funny, your nutritionist was able to see that I'm not resting and digesting sufficiently. So, um, so some of my tryptophan was actually being, my indican is a little bit higher than optimal than where it should be. And it was like a lot of my, actually most of my markers, I'm happy to say were, were, were in fabulous range, but we could see that I was not sufficiently resting and digesting. And that was probably the reason tryptophan was getting converted downstream into, into indican. Um, it's, and it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Like, like my fix could be some digestive enzyme support, but really more importantly, I was, I was confessing to both of you guys on that call that I had stood there in the kitchen eating a steak, you know, like the day before I took the test or something like that, you know, I didn't sit anyway, but there's a lot of information one can infer, you know, maybe I need some enzymes, maybe I need to rest and digest. Maybe somebody else is just really in, a, in an inflammatory burden and has a certain kind of dysbiosis, but you can really sort of interplay, uh, you know, you can look at the pattern of metabolites and, 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 and draw some conclusions. And, you know, in the case for me, it was, it was, you know, it was really accurate. It was somewhat irritatingly accurate, actually. I was like, yeah, I, yeah. Yes, What's yes. Weird. It's weird. <laughs> we get that a lot, which is kind of cool because I think you know, these are questions that people don't normally ask either, right? When you, when you have a, a conversation and, or you're looking at your test results or whatever, we don't typically take a step back and say, well, what are the conditions around how you, you know, you live and you're, you know, not to be judgmental, but like what happens your, your blood, like in a vacuum is one thing, but what is the context behind that person's life and choices? Because it really paints a comprehensive picture of that person. And then as you're trying to create a yeah. program, that's going to work for them, right. You might be saying, I'll do all these things. The person was like, I don't, I don't do any of those. Like, that's not how I live and I can't. So you just, we always find it to be really interesting to spend that time to have that dialogue and to learn about what's going on. And sometimes those are the habits that you have to change. It, it may not even just be your diet. It may be just sitting down for 30 minutes and di like chewing yeah. your food. Yeah. I mean, I think it was 
you know, beautifully reflective of eating a good quality whole foods diet. I mean, I follow basically the eating pattern that I've, that I've published on. I think it really works and it did reflect, but you were able to, you were able to pick up that I need to rest and digest and maybe a digestive enzyme, but without question, you were more meaningful for, for you and the, and, and Rachel, the nutritionist was, you know, needing to chill out. There was more evidence for just allowing parasympathetic um, drive to kick in and digest my food. And the other extraordinary piece that you picked up also in the sort of too stressed camp, despite good and, and, and exercising was my xanthine was really high. Um, and I have been doing resistance training and I noticed that I've been a little bit more sore than usual. So that's one thing that was flagged, I think with that finding, but you know, it's no secret that I have a pretty intense job as well. So those two pieces, it was, it was really quite clear. I mean, you, you had my number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready for, for the level of insight that, um, you know, that, that, that the test had, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, yeah, I wasn't quite ready. Like you really had kind of got in, you went right in there and found it, but it was also nice to see what was in the right column as well. And there was good, a lot of it. Yeah. Which was awesome. You know, I think that often the, the, the indoles are shifted. That's a, it's very common. Um, so the fact that you your IPA and your ILA and, you know, and I think this was, that was great because that when those are off, typically that's where it all begins. So, you know, there's, I'd say again, and the dietitians are working with people to try to figure out, you know, what, where to start, where do you begin? Right. So if your gut is dysfunctional, no matter what food you're putting into it, it doesn't matter. So you, things always sort of start there, um, sometimes in parallel with, you know, de-stressing and mindfulness and all of that, but it all kind of begins there. So that, that was all fine. So most of this is sort of lifestyle, a reminder, not it is. Check yeah. out, you know, and to, to just stay in, in, in touch with your body. I mean, I yeah. it sounds cliche, but it's just, but we need to hear it over and over again. I mean, I need to hear it. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of what I'm researching. It's certainly what I prescribe to my patients and it's what I try to practice myself, albeit, you know, I'm human and, you know, I do it imperfectly, but I do, I certainly do the best that I can, but this was obvious, you know, I need to turn the volume up in that arena a little bit more and dial back. She, in fact, my, my, my prescription when she emailed me was to have, you know, to take a real rest day (laughs) and sit down when I, when I'm eating. Um, so I was thinking, well, geez, I could just get in there with a digestive enzyme too, you know, and, 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 and I might consider trying that because I will do a follow-up test. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious about it, but obviously the lifestyle, I think the lifestyle pieces are really important. Um, when are supplements indicated? You know, when would you, when, she, when, she, when, she, when would she have advised or how do you think about prescribing them? Interesting. Supplements are, are, as I'm sure you know, are always the topic of, you know, either great support or, or great consternation. Um, and I haven't used the word in a long time, but there's people very opinionated about them. And I, I, you know, in the starting of the company, it was, it can't just be about a supplement, right? Because that always kind of drives me nuts. So we want people to change their habits. We want them to eat well. We want them to, to, to lifestyle first. You know, that being said, I mean, there are people who definitely benefit from supplements and there are things yeah. that we take that can help us. So, you know, I think we, 
in the selection of those that, that we offer. I mean, we're always very transparent about why, you know, you take this because of this, here's the citation showing why it works. Most of our, and most of our stuff is very common. There's nothing, you know, some berry that's only found on one island east of Madagascar. You don't see that because there's typically not a lot of data that, that substantiates efficacy. Um, so, you know, we, we, we give recommendations. We give recommendations to things we don't even offer um, because, you know, we, we just haven't gotten around to, to adding it to the, to the portfolio. And at the end of the day, we're not a supplement company. Um, we had a lot of people come and ask us, hey, do you guys make a probiotic or do you? And finally, I said, look, we'll make some of these just so that we can, you know, package them in the most important ones so that people are doing something if they're in a program. But it was definitely not the, the primary purpose of, of why we began. So, you know, in terms of what we offer, there is a probiotic. Um, that probiotic has been really carefully designed strain by strain by the science team, looking at outcomes and efficacy and, you know, what strains are specific that can help with the various different issues that, you know, that people have from inflammation to GI issues, et cetera. Um, you know, candidly during the supply chain troubles during COVID, we had some trouble getting it. And then we were like, okay, well, we should just refer folks to another product if they need one. And we couldn't find one that was the same. So, you know, I think, you know, people love it. They swear by it. Um, I'd say 98% of the people who take it really like it. I mean, they do. So um, what are the strains? Oh, there's 17. Oh, there's 17. Okay. No yeah, there's quite a few. And we'll link to it. We'll link to it. So people take a look. I, I, I don't want to misquote that one, but again, it's, it's, it's popular. Um, for xanthine levels, typically we we do a vitamin C. Uh, vitamin oh, okay. C actually can help to reduce um, to reduce you know to reduce xanthine. And the probiotic, of course, can help if your indoles are are out of whack um, or have you have you know a gut dysbiosis issue, especially like diarrhea and constipation. So people who really have severe GI issues tend to you know benefit from it. Um, we have a five HTP, which is you know again it's a it's a precursor to um, to serotonin. And so, you know, for people who have low serotonin or for people who don't sleep well because serotonin is converted into melatonin, sometimes that's really helpful. We do have a melatonin. It's a relatively low dose melatonin. Again, that's variable. Some people do well on melatonin. Some people do not. So, you know, we always say, look, try it. If it doesn't work, don't, you know, kill yourself doing this, but some people really swear by it and it really helps them. You know, if they can't, if they can't sleep in other ways. Um, we have a B-complex, uh, you know, supplement that's sort of, again, it depends on what your specific issue is. Um, but it's, there's, again, there's, it's, we've, what we've, would the pattern be? What would the pattern be for you to suggest to be a B-complex just out of curiosity? You mean the, the marker of the 11 markers, what would make you think be, you would have a, some history plus the 11 yeah, markers. I mean, Sarah, it's going to be serotonin, um, is, you know, maybe the person's going to say they have energy issues. Um, so again, it's, it's also, so there's the questionnaire, there's a the health questionnaire plus the metabolites. Um, but I'd say, you know, any issue with fatigue, um, just exhaustion, of course, we would, you know, recommend the bees, general inflammation. So it, it might be that we, we, we look at some of the inflammatory markers um, yeah. and, and prescribe that. Um, trying to think of, you know, what, what else? I would say, you know, our gut makes 
I think our gut makes, you know, a multivitamin. And so if you have evidence of dysbiosis, certainly one of the first things that would suffer from that would be B synthesis, you know, vitamin B. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it could be like low IDMA would trigger it. Um, so there's very specific things again, cause we don't just want everybody taking everything. I mean, I, I sure. still think supplements are medications. So if you don't need it, um, there's no point in, in recommending it. I mean, things that, you know, that we don't do, we, we, we often suggest that people take an omega, um, yep. you know, a, a, if, especially with serotonin, if serotonin is low, we don't offer one, but I know there are, you know, recommendations that the team can provide for high quality ones. So there are other things, you know, a co there's a CoQ10. So again, some, again, with xanthine, CoQ10 can help to lower levels of high xanthine. And we don't offer that one, but, but they do exist. I'm thinking about that for myself. <laughs> yeah, actually, I have vitamin C at home. I don't know if I have co I just probably have CoQ10 here in the office, but yeah. I know I need to do the lifestyle pieces. <laughs> and it's funny. It, it, it actually works. Cause I also have very high xanthine. Ah. Um, so there's, there's things that, you know, I've tried as well. And that's, that's a good one. Awesome. That's actually, that's really good to know. Um, all right. So what else did I want to ask you about? Did we cut, did we get through all 11? I didn't. I believe it's funny. I was like trying to think in my head. I mean, there's tyrosine, tryptophan, total indoxyl sulfate, the three um, indoles, the three uh, purines, serotonin. What am I saying? Pinurinine. Okay. We got to so, talk about that. Yeah. Okay. We haven't. Okay. That one, that's it's, an interesting one. I yeah. forget that one. Um, interesting. That one. And uric acid. We did talk about uric acid. We did talk about uric acid briefly. So chinurinine is interesting because it's, it's in the tryptophan family, but it's an inflammatory, typically an inflammatory marker. So when things go haywire down the wrong path, chinurinine is generated. What's really interesting also to look at is the ratio, sort of the trip chinurinine ratio, um, you know, things like cancers are sometimes when chinurinine is really elevated, elevated, super elevated chinurinine is not awesome. You don't want that. And I'm not saying if you have elevated chinurinine that you have cancer, just to be clear, but it is, it's not awesome to have high chinurinine. So, um, and especially if the ratio is wonky and we do look at that so that, you know, cause if the, if the ratio is fine, then maybe you just have you know, too much tryptophan. And so you're, you know, both of them are elevated, but, um, if the ratio is weird, then, uh, it can have, it can have meaning. And we've, we've seen that, you know, we've seen, it's not common, but we've seen it. So, um, you know, I, I, that's one that's just, it's, it's kind of like the dark horse, um, that, that we, we pay attention to, but it's, you know, people don't always, understand its significance. Yeah, I get it. Well, in on organic acids, we do look at a, a kynurinin derivative quinolinic acid, actually, yeah. which we talked about that, that you can measure that in urine. And maybe if it's very high, you would expect to see it kind of quinolinate high as well as a pro-inflammatory marker. Mm -hmm. um, I have less, I, I have no experience measuring kynurinin. So I think it's really interesting to me. Um, that you're doing that. Why did you opt for blood? By the way, collecting the specimen was incredibly, it was the easiest finger stick, fingers uh, that I've ever, ever, ever done. The, the, the device that you use that look, those little sponges are awesome. Just super, super easy. 
Yeah. So because these things are, you find them in blood. Yeah. Well, versus urine. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, and that's, I mean, and also candidly, I mean, that's what we were, that's what we had a lot of experience doing. Right. Right. Um, we knew that they were there. We knew the concentrations we, right. The, all oh, of the awesome. data, yes. 50 years of data came from, you know, came from the blood. So, and not okay. everything is measurable in the urine. That's, that's right. Yeah. You'd have to omit some of these okay. or they, they'd be way less reliable, right? Like, well, you couldn't do uric acid, I imagine. Yeah. It's, it's some, of, I don't think you can actually measure all of them candidly. And yeah. I, I don't, I don't know which one specifically, but I think part of the challenge is that some, you just can't get an accurate result reading. Yeah. I know blood is better for the amino acids as well. Um, yeah. So it makes sense. And the, and, and again, you, you just knocked it out of the park with the, with the collection device. Usually, usually I find I, blood spot um, or blood, blood stick collections to be, you know, a pain. So bravo, you guys. It's, um, it, it's yeah. very important, right? If the experience is bad or if it requires collecting gallons of blood through, I mean, I always, you know, when they're like, oh, you need to fill this tube. And you're like, wow, yeah. that's, that's a lot of squeezing <laughs> with my poor little finger, which is now blue. Um, and then, you know, you end up having to poke other fingers. So this is, this device is really neat. It, it literally, it's, I think it's like 20 microliters of blood, which is about four drops. Oh, really? That's cool. Really? Yeah, it was easy. It was easy peasy. Um, Clinicians can use this. So, so I could get this information. I could get, and I think, do, do I have access to the questionnaire? I could, if I had those two pieces of, in, of, of information, obviously I'm going to be able to design a decent protocol. Totally. Um, there's, there's different ways that folks work with us. Um, it depends on if they want to do the review themselves, in which case we provide information, um, training, um, you know, so that you know what you're looking at. And then there's a pro portal so that our pro partners or our physician partners can log in, access all the data. You have control over the report. So if you want to only show certain sections of it, um, you know, sometimes just sending the whole 80 page report is overwhelming. So you could, you know, say, um, we're going to focus on diet for the next two weeks. And, you know, you give them the the results and you focus on one section and you can release that only. So you can really custom filter what you want that person's experience to be. Um, Or we have people who say, look, I I don't have time. I want you guys to just deal with it. So, you know, we do the report, but we always send an executive summary. You know, the the physician has access to the data and all that, but it's, it's sort of two different models depending on how the person wants to work with us. And somebody could go direct to you. So if a consumer wanted to get it, they have access. Absolutely. So, I mean, you could always go to the website and, you know, do whatever, do whatever they want. I'd say when we work with a physician, we always have to establish sort of the relationship. Like, what do you want, you know, what do you want us to say? Right. Because oftentimes physicians um, might say something like, uh, you know, once you have your results, let's discuss them first before you decide what to do next. So, you know, in the report or the result review session, we will say to the person, you know, here are the results. Now go and take this and talk to your doctor about what he or she wants you to do. You know, we're here if you have any questions, but, you know, go and and talk with him or her in order to, to make a plan, right? Because we don't always have the full picture 
of what else is going on in that person's life. And we want to make sure that we're um, understanding of that. I appreciated my consult. I thought that, that a lot of good information was imparted. As I've already stated, I thought that it, I was ac accurately, those 11 analytes <laughs> captured captured what was going on with my life. And I think um, uh, Rachel did a good job folding it into my history that she had. Um, so I think either as, and I could, I could just, I could, so I could see using it as a clinician and having my clinician hat on and, you know, and talking to whoever I was working with about the, and I could also see it being actually really pretty effective for one to go straight and work with you uh, directly. I want to, as we, as we, as we head, head towards close here, um, you're engaged in research. I know you've been doing work with elite athletes and, and I, I, I want to hear a little bit about your research efforts and interests and, you know, sort of future thinking as well with the, with the company and the work. Yeah. You know, so we've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different types of groups and especially last year spent a fair amount of the year running sort of trials, right? Efficacy trials, right? Cause there's this question you go on all these product websites, like how effective is the thing? And so, you know, last year we focused around three cohorts. So there was the the sort of athlete group. So we call them the, the physical performers. And we, we did, I don't even know, quite a few, I don't remember, 20, I don't do you know, different people who did our 90 day program. And every day they, you know, we interviewed them, we had them fill out surveys and forms and, you know, did you do what you were supposed to do? Right. So we were, we were pretty consistent about making sure that they weren't fibbing us. Right. And they, so at the beginning and at the end, there was what changed and the data was pretty remarkable about you know especially for like gi related issues diarrhea constipation um you know runners gut many of our folks were runners triathletes who yeah. are constantly dealing with this we were able to get rid of a lot of those problems um we had people who you know were missing the podium because they were spending two and a half minutes in a porta potty um who suddenly didn't have to do that anymore. And so some pretty compelling, you know, data and, and that's on the website, but also happy to, to share that. I think we may have shared a document with you, but again, if we, we need more of that, that folks want to see, I can share that yeah. with you as well. So, you know, so that there was a cohort of those individuals, there was a cohort called the mental performers, which were sort of people in high stress jobs who, you know, would report issues with mood imbalances, anxiety, fatigue and just exhaustion. A lot of it was just physical and mental exhaustion and, um, and mood issues and sleep, right? So a lot of that data came from there. Again, like, you know, improvements where they were a two out of 10 went to a nine out of 10, or they, you know, now they were sleeping, maybe not a hundred percent perfectly, but before they were sleeping one day out of the week, and now they're sleeping six days out of the week. So there was some pretty amazing, you know, data that, that came from that. And the third group was the well, we call them the wellness group. So these are people with very specific health related issues and concerns, thyroid issues, you know, perimenopause, menopause. It's a tough one and a, and a weird one because it's, it's not always clear, you know, where to begin and what, what to target, um, cholesterol, high cholesterol levels, right. People who like, I've tried eating this and I, you know, done. okay, well here, here, here's what we think you should, you should do. Um, you know, issues like, like that, right. Where, where people had a very specific problem and we were working with a physician, right. So it wasn't like we were just prescribing and doing medically oriented things, but working with them and their, 
in their healthcare practitioners in order to try to help solve these problems. And, you know, we had people saying, look, I've spent so much money in my life on this. And suddenly I can sleep. I have enough energy to go out for a walk. I, and they're in the program still. I mean, these people are, have been with us for years, right? (laughs) Because they're like, you know, it's, for me to spend a few hundred dollars on my life, on my happiness, this is the best investment I could possibly make, right? So, um, and those are the stories that are like, you know, compelling. And that's why we do this. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I would love to, we can link to the show notes. My, my team will, will, will get them from you and link to the show notes. I, I'm super curious. I know we, we've, we've got to wrap up here, but patterns like in these, in these individual cohorts where there, there were clear patterns that corroborate what yes. you've been talking about. Yes, that's, and that's to some extent you say, how did you pinpoint me? And what's really interesting is there are definitely like trends. So, you know, in the athlete group, I mean, elevated xanthine, elevated IDS, um, low IPA. Low IPA is just in our NFL athletes that we've worked with, in our sailors, you know, from America's Cup that we work with. Um, and athletes in general, low IPA, serotonin, low serotonin um, is also on the list. So those are like, those are very, very typical. And then there's weird, you know, then you have like your elevated urate, you have your elevated kynurenine. Typically your athletes are taking in a lot of protein. So sometimes that's elevated as well. Um, Not always, but, but sometimes typically more in men than in women, which is, you know, again, it just depends on how much you're consuming. Um, so that was that group on the, you know, the mental performer group, I mean, xanthine again, right. For a different yet similar type of reason, um, despite, right. The, the indoles, typically all the indoles are, are wonky, whether the IAA is high and your, you know, IPA is low, but indoles. So high stress people get a messed up gut microbiome <laughs> they just do. So there's that serotonin again is, you know, is in there, depending on how much caffeine they're ingesting, their 3MX could be like off the charts, um, you know, depending on that situation. Um, trying to think of what else did I, I missed. Tyrosine tryptophan is usually low because they're not eating, they're, you know, they're not eating enough food or um, not digesting, spending the time, you know, to do that properly. So you've got low amino acids versus high for the athlete. And then the wellness group is very variable depending on the specific problem. Of course. But typically, you know, the, the, the indoles are often off. Um, one of the most interesting groups, and we've had, we don't, we have a limited number of data points, but, but enough to, to, to see trends are with the pregnancy group. So we've had, we had a bunch of pregnancies in the office, and then we had a bunch of our um, athletes and such get pregnant. So we've had, yeah, I don't know, 10 people at this point. So it's not huge, but amino acids tank, tank, like they're, go from, they're building a human, <laughs> they're building a person. And that's what yeah. this is so cool when we saw yeah. this. Your you know, tyrosine tryptophan went from eight to like two. I mean, it was unbelievable, right? Where, and you're like, I should probably be eating more protein. Yeah, yeah probably. Is, sucking this out of me. Um, so, and, and so that was, you know, there if tyrosine. So for the people who had emotional, you know, issues, serotonin, tyrosine, 
um, because they were, you know, in fatigue, tyrosine is a big one for, for fatigue as well. So if you were chronically tired, you, you know, you were seeing sure. that. So there, there are these kinds of, these kinds of trends. And will you publish on this? Will you guys write some of this up for? We probably should. Yeah, we should. You know what else would be cool? Like just because you have this little pregnancy cohort to track birth outcome, you know, based on, you know, adhering the program. And anyway, that, that'd be interesting. It's a small cohort, but it would be kind of cool. But we get asked a lot of questions about it. And what's yeah. what's really interesting is every single person, every single person who went through that had the had had some of these things that were, you know, that were aligned. And then we're still following some of these folks because again, some of them are in-house, but some of them are some of our influencers. We have a couple of athletes that work with us and they all had babies and now we're still working with them. So we have years of longitudinal data, right. To look at what happens and when does it revert and how does it revert? And, um, but it's, that was just something that was really compelling to me. So interesting. So interesting. I'm thinking about like, you know, there's been a hot dialogue in our space um, around, you know, really radically increasing protein or, you know, there's the counter argument that, that um, we should be consuming lower protein diets, kind of like the intermittent fasting model, um, we, we uh, fasting mimicking diet. And, but I just, I just wanted to say, so there's these two, there's these two camps and there's been a lot of conversation in our space, but certainly looking at these to see how our body's processing protein, how our microbiome is acting on the protein that we're consuming would be a helpful guide towards who's safe to consume, you know, yeah. higher amounts of protein or how you might change the way that it's processed if you want to consume a higher amount of protein if you, you know, if you need to for whatever reason. But it's kind of a, a, a cool sort of way to use this information for a hot topic in our space these days. But yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I, 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 we believe in measuring it, right? Because there's no way to really know. You can't look at a person and be like, yeah, that person, you know, probably needs X. Um, so the tests, you know, you, you, you measure it and see what their level actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, I, sometimes you, you think that person, you know, hey, they're exercising all day, they need more protein, but it turns out their protein is like off the charts and they're chronically inflamed. They've got GI issues up the wazoo, um, you know, and, and often, I mean, candidly, you know, if you're a woman, if you're a vegetarian or vegan, like you're not getting enough protein. And so you're, you're tired, you're fatigued, you're, um, you know, why do I feel down all the time? Right. And especially if you're, you know, over 40, like there's, so there's, you know, I'd say we tend to ascribe to the protein is good. Um, a little bit more is okay, but we wouldn't, you don't want to just do that in a vacuum. That's right. Yeah. I mean, some of these pot these compounds are really potently damaging. I mean, you know, yeah. just going back to our conversation on Indican, um, and it's produced from tryptophan. So, you know, and certainly high protein eaters tend to down the tryptophan dense, you know, meats, turkey, chicken, and so forth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Erica, it was really nice to get to hang out with you again. Mm -hmm. I think this is our third time getting to connect and talk about this really, really interesting topic. Um, yeah, I'll just look forward to seeing what you guys are up to. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope that our paths continue to cross. Absolutely. You know, I think just one last thing people yeah. often ask us, 
who is good for this? Who is good? Oh, of course. And, you know, and, and you asked that earlier and I don't, I, and it's, it's a hard question to answer. I mean, in many ways, I think it's something that many of these markers should just be measured in people. Um, they should just be measured in general. On their annual exam or their semi-annual exam. Yeah. All of us. Right. I, I, for sure. But I think, you know, if, if I had to say, you know, who is there, you know, I mean, we do GI really well. So if people are, you know, gas cramping, bloating, and they've tried many things and there's just been no hope, um, we tend to, to help a lot there. Sleep, energy, um, you know, inflammation, obviously. I mean, weight loss is such a touchy and difficult topic, but in reality, if you adjust your lifestyle and you eat better, typically things like weight loss, and cholesterol, they are a, they, they get fixed on their own because you've, you've solved some of these other underlying issues. And especially if you have GI issues, solve those first and make solving these other problems, um, you know, a heck of a lot easier. So it's really, there are many different types of folks who could benefit, you know, um, yeah. but these are some of the, the pain points that we're, we're pretty, you know, we're, we're, we're great at. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. No worries. Thank you.